Grace, good morning. So glad to see you guys here. Um, I just want to remind you, if it's your first time, um, we'd love to have you fill out a Get Connected card. That way we can get to know you just a little bit better. Um, or maybe you make a decision during the service today. Go ahead and fill that out and check one of those boxes. Um, anything you'd like to communicate, this is our way of, of just um, getting connected with each other. Um, you can either drop it in the tithes and offering box there in the back, um, or you can bring it to the welcome table on the way out, and we have a nice little welcome gift for you if it's your first time. So we would just love to welcome you guys here. Um, and buckle up, put on your seatbelts, because September's like right around the corner, and we have a lot of things happening. So I'm going to go over a few of those things. Um, 
so make sure you're marking these dates down. Um, don't forget, um, actually on August 31st, so on Wednesday, is the uh, Women's Retreat Fundraiser Tri-Tip Dinner. Um, so if you haven't gotten your tickets, make sure you see one of us today. We'll be out um, in the lobby afterwards or see any of the ladies that are going um, to make sure you get your tickets. They're $15, um, and you'll get an amazing, yummy, delicious tri-tip dinner, and you don't have to cook that night. So make sure you get those. Um, next Sunday, September 4th, at 10 o'clock in the morning, is we're kicking off our growth tracks um, classes again. So we have our 101, which is our membership, um, and each week we'll be doing 101, 201, 301, and all the way to 401. Um, so we want to just kind of share with you um, why we're here, why we do what we do, what we believe. We want to um, get you in and, and, and have you just become a part of us and get you into serving um, and just doing those things and, and honoring God through, um, through your service. So that's a great thing. If you haven't done it, make sure you come and do that. Um, come and see me if for any reason that time doesn't work, but you really are like, I really want to get this done. I want to do this. Let me know and we'll see what we can do. But next Sunday at that September 4th at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, so it'll be right before the morning service. We'll be done in time um, for service. Um, so make sure you come to that. Um, also, um, next Sunday, September 4th, we are kicking off um, our evening service again with 1 Corinthians. So we're reading as a church through 1 Corinthians. Um, these um, papers are out there in the lobby as well. Um, and you can read through 1 Corinthians with us. Um, just study through that. And then on Sunday nights um, at 6 o'clock, we'll be um, coming together and just going through that and studying that together. Um, and then also... Um, grief, grief Share has just begun. Um, we'll be talking about that just a little bit more in a second. Um, and then all of our um, small groups, September is the time we're kicking off. We have some starting September 1st um, and all throughout um, the beginning of September. Um, so we're going to be highlighting those each week. Um, so starting today and then um, each week we'll have a different small group highlighted. Um, make sure um, you guys get signed up for one of those. It's just a great way to just kind of bond and get closer together um, with church family. Um, youth group has resumed as well. Um, don't forget our all-church camp is on November 18th through the 20th. Um, so, And also next, I'm sorry, September 25th. So the last Sunday of September... Um, we are kicking off back, getting the groove going, you know, after all this craziness. Um, our Sunday fun days will be back, so make sure you guys mark your calendar for that. So that'll be that Sunday evening, the last Sunday of September. Um, we'll be kicking off our Sunday fun day. Um, and I think we're good. So, yeah, enjoy and welcome. have a grief share video? Yeah, there should be a grief share video. Mm -hmm. 
I immediately went back to work so that I didn't have to think about my father's death. I was very fearful of going through any process that would make me have to revisit my father's death. I was afraid the pain would open a door to something that I couldn't handle. I started experiencing uh, depression. It was slow at first. Um, it began with just overwhelming feelings of being discontent. Um, and it started escalating. And eventually depression and the emptiness was more overwhelming than the thought of facing the grief. The process of finally dealing with the grief began with Grief Share. It's very much like going to the ocean and wanting to take a swim. You've got that initial wave that comes at you and then you have to face it, let it come over you, and then you shake yourself off and get ready for the next one. And the process of Grief Share helped me do that. With each wave that came, with each new lesson that I learned, I was able to let it wash over me, process it, and use it to move forward. I love talking about my father now. I love sharing his stories. I love watching videos. I love looking at the pictures, the memories. He was a wonderful man. Now I feel like having accepted the loss, I can now celebrate the life he had and feel joy for those times. GriefShare is a support group open to men and women dealing with the death of a loved one. To learn more about GriefShare, speak to the GriefShare leader at your church. stand with us these these videos are a reminder of just the the difficult sides of living and life and loss and and grief and then we come into worship and just I feel like it's just so fitting that even in in the difficult times and the hard times that we choose to bless the Lord we choose to lift up his name we know he's got us in his hands as life so let's stand let's sing bless the Lord Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawn. It's time to sing your song again Whatever may pass and whatever lies before 
alone next. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless faith this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin Body lay, life. 
light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life. No fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns. Or calls me home here in the love of Christ our sin. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the love of Christ our sin. Here in the love of Christ I'll stand. You may be seated. Coming up here soon, so go ahead and play it there, big guy. Almost into my comatose sleep, that REM stuff, and I'm almost gone. She finally pulls in, she slides into bed, and it's kind of quiet, and I hear her say, Did you lock the front doors? I think, I'm almost gone here. I said, Look, you just tumble, tumble it towards the, the door jam. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> my father always locked the front doors. We'll call him up and see if he can come over and lock our front doors. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm almost asleep. So who does what? But one place that I think would be a lousy setting for asking someone to marry you is at a public execution. There's just something about that setting that just doesn't seem to lend itself to asking somebody to marry you. But that's exactly, that's exactly the setting that God chose to propose to us. We use the word love in so many ways, don't we? We apply it in so many ways to where it, it, in, the, in the process it can really lose any meaning. Now, you know, you say to your wife, I really love you, honey, and I really love this beef jerky. And so she's saying, what is going on here? And it's not unusual for any of us to be operating from a very narrow or incomplete understanding of love or love that's really skewered in some way and really, really flawed. So I wanna offer you another piece of gold. I like to define it this way. Love is a commitment of my will to your needs and best interests 
regardless of the cost. Look at that. It's the commitment of my will to your needs and best interest, not my needs and best interest, but yours, regardless of the cost to me. That is going to be our small group, Kelly's and Kelly, my small group, starting on September 14th. Yeah, on Wednesday nights. So yeah, I'd love it if you guys could come to be a part of that. Um, it'll be at my house. And we have another small group that actually meets here. It's actually not too small, but we have a Bible study that meets here on Wednesday nights as well. So you, you're not lacking on Wednesday nights if you want to um, be part of a small group, if you want to be part of a Bible study, whatever it is. So um, anyway, I just found that one, and I really liked it because I think that's, that was missing sometimes in our marriage, you know, when she tell, asked me to do something. I really related to the part about where he... Uh, he said, um, the, the, do you lock, did you lock the door? Did you lock the door? Kelly asked me that every time. Did you lock the door? I'm like, didn't you lock it? No. Did you lock it? No. And so it's, it's one of those things like, okay, now I got to get out of bed and walk all the way down there or whatever. You know how it is. And then but that's just one little small thing. So uh, showing grace to one another is very important because I think love is one of those things that's part of our life. But as he said, love is something that we share or we use the word love for so many different things. And it gets kind of washed out, in a sense. It kind of becomes something that we just say, like, like uh, oh, I love you, and then, oh, I, and I love football, or I love whatever. It's, it just kind of doesn't have the same meaning. And uh, when we all got married, we all thought, we said, hey, I love you, I love you. And we thought that love would carry us all the way through till the end. Well, guess what? Sometimes your spouse isn't very lovable. And that's just the way it is. And that's why you show grace to someone. That's why you show grace especially to your spouse. And you show them how much it matters. So anyway, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I'm looking forward to it. It's about eight weeks long, and then we're going to do another study on marriage. So we're going to continue on and just keep doing those things, and eventually, uh, eventually we'll uh, find something that uh, you might like. But I think this is going to be a great one. So um, let's go ahead and pray. Don't forget to keep praying for our church. For We need to uh, get a roof on our roof. On our, a roof on our roof. That made a lot of sense. We need to get a roof on our church, and it's quite expensive. And so if you ever find it in your heart that God gives you Somehow you get enough, uh, some kind of money, like a couple million dollars. Just go ahead and give us about two hundred thousand of it. Is that all right? And that'll get our roof on our that'll get our roof up there, and we'll be all good to go. Uh, but seriously, we do need a roof, so be praying about that. That God would provide the funds and the necessary means for that, because that's by no no means cheap. If you know what I mean, it's not like a regular house. It's uh, if you've looked up there, our, our slope is like this, and wouldn't take much to slide right down off of it, I guess. So anyway, so pray for that. And I pray for all those. You may know some people who aren't feeling very well right now or are in and out or whatever the wording is. Just be praying for them as well. Um, you, can put, you can call into uh, the office and ask Misty or tell Misty about it, and she'll put it on the prayer chain if you have a prayer request or even a praise. We don't always need prayer requests. Sometimes there's a happy, Kelly, could you bring my water up here? Sometimes there's happy moments that we want to say, hey, look, this happened. My prayer was answered. Thank you so much. This, this, my prayer was answered. And you go, yay, you know? And you can share that with everybody else because we need to know when our prayers are answered. Don't you agree? I think that's important to understand because sometimes we say, well, why aren't you answering my prayers? So when we hear God answered some prayers, we should be celebrating with that person. So, and then um, keep praying for Joe Creel and uh, so many others like him that, you know, just that he's getting better. He's, uh, he's not 100%, but he's a lot better than he was. So uh, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, okay? Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes to get ready for service and pray. So, Lord, I just want to thank you for bringing me here today. Lord, and what I mean is anything could have happened from my house to here, but you got me here. 
Lord, and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to sit in your house to preach your word, Lord. It's, it's, it's not my word, it's yours. And so, God, I'm going to ask you that, I ask that you would just fill me with your spirit so that every word that comes out of my mouth is straight from you, God. Not from me and not what I want to say, but what you want me to say. And, Lord, we know that some things, some things are, just, are just tough. But nothing's too tough for you, God. And so I just pray, Father, that we would turn to you for everything, no matter what it is. Lord, I want to pray for Joe Creel and his family. Thank you for uh, the miracle of his life and what's going on. And Lord, so, I just pray for so many others that might be impacted some way, some way, shape, or form in their life, whether they're ill or they're just going through a rough time or, or, or whatever it is. Because God, you are always there. And I just pray that our anchor would hold and, and that our anchor would be firm. And we trust you. And I pray that you'd empty me of myself, fill me with you. And I, say, I pray the same for everyone in this room. Empty of us of all the problems, the pressures, the stresses that are going on in our life at this moment. And just replace them with your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. So we can hear your very words. We love you, Lord. In, in Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all say, amen. Let me take a drink of this before I keep going. Okay. So I want to welcome you guys all here. We're going to start sort of a mini-series uh, talking about anchors. Um, not really so much about anchors, but the first one's going to be about anchors. And this one's called Anchor of Hope. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, you might have saw this sitting up here. It's not super heavy. Um, I think it's more for decoration. But anyway, I think you could use it. It's an anchor. You, know, you recognize what that is? We've seen lots of those things around. If you have a boat, you have to have an anchor generally because when you stop and you, you stop on the water, you have to take your anchor and throw it out so it can keep you in place, right? Anchors keep you in place. They keep you firm where you're at. So I'm going to put this. Will it bother you if I put it right there? Because I want you to focus on it, not me as much as anything else. And so, you know, this, this, this is going to be based from Hebrews. We're going to be all over in the Bible, but the main verse that I'm going to be using is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, you're probably already thinking you know who that is, or you know what that is. And obviously, you'd be right if you said Jesus. Jesus is our anchor. He's what holds us steady. That, this entire verse, is this just one verse isn't what we're going to be going through. It's not just based on that. It's based throughout the whole thing of Hebrews. So as we look at Hebrews, you know, we're going to have to read through it. We probably will read through just about all of it, or a lot of it anyway, in these next couple of weeks. But, you know, this anchor, this anchor, for instance, if you throw it in the water, as I was saying... It's going to grab a hold of the, something in the ground, a rock, the, the sand. I don't know, not sand because it'll pull right through sand, but it'll grab a hold of something so your, so your boat doesn't shift, so your boat doesn't move. You want to stay in that one spot. Some people don't throw them out. They like to drift, but then most of the time when you go fishing, you throw it out there so you can stay in that one spot, that good spot that you find. Uh, and it's amazing. And Jesus is like our anchor for our soul. In every circumstance that we have, every problem, every suffering, and even every victory that we have, Jesus is our anchor. He's the one that we turn to. He's the one who solidifies everything. He's the one who's there for us no matter what. And it's something that you can look back to. And you can look back and say, when did I receive Jesus? And, or do I have Jesus in my life? Uh, you know, because he is there. You know, and to be honest with you, the Bible is truly amazing as it talks about how we can find that anchor for our soul. We, can, we have that anchor. You know, and, and I talked about marriage. You know, we had the marriage class coming up 
on Wednesday nights at marriage, uh, small group, I should call it a class, it's a small group, it's going to be a group of people, and we're going to stay together and talk about marriage and, and share all of our problems and all our good things and all our bad things and everything else in between. But you know, the true anchor for our marriage should be God, should be Jesus, right? He's the first place that we turn to. He should be, but he's not always, is he? Let's, let's be honest, he's not always the first place we turn. And so hopefully, 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 when we get through this, you're going to say, wow, I, I never thought about an anchor like that before because it's an amazing invention, don't you think? So I don't know who was thinking about that at some time or another, but they decided they got to make this big thing out of iron so our ship can stay in place or whatever. Uh, you know, it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. We know that there's people that have had anchors on ships forever, and it's such an amazing thing, and it's simple. It's simple in design. It's probably one of the most simple things you'd ever think about. It's not complicated. It doesn't take much to make it. This is a little bit more complicated than how you normally see them. You know, it's kind of cool looking, but, you know, some of them are just like a, just like a wedge kind of thing that would just dig into the ground. And so it's simple, but its function is profound. Its function is something that's amazing. And so as believers, we can be encouraged to remain firm, to remain steadfast, to remain uh, committed to our faith through every trial, through every storm through everything that we go through. This anchor hopefully would hold us through that, the anchor that we have in Jesus, not this anchor, but specifically, so we look at that as a, as a uh, thing to just think about. You know, we're anchored, if you will, in hope. And you may, you may have guessed that hope is Jesus. I've said that already once, but I can't say it enough. Our hope is Jesus. And so I've anchored my hope, my soul. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest in Jesus. My soul is, 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 is anchored in Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on, I will always be anchored in Jesus. Now, I, don't, I won't be mad and sailing crazily, you know, like I won't just drift, although I do sometimes. That's when I realized that I pulled my anchor. And I need to understand that it, I need to keep going. You know, the, just like the seas can get wild, trying to think of a show that's out there, the... Any, any one of those shows that in, out in Alaska where the ones with the crab, crab fishermen, you know? And those waves get really, really big, and it's really dangerous. The waves, the waves of life can get really, really big, and they get really dangerous. And if we don't have an anchor point, if we don't have a place to go to, it'll sweep us over. It'll take us right over the edge, and then you get lost. And then you, you, don't, know where, you don't know which way is up from down or anything like that. And you find out, you know, but then you say, in Jesus, I'm safe. I'm safe evermore. So what is, what is hope? And the author of Hebrews, people argue about who the author of Hebrew is. Hebrews is, I happen to think it pretty closely resembles uh, Paul's writing. So I think Paul wrote Hebrews. That's in my opinion. Um, and after reading all the different things about it. Uh, but of course, the answer specific of hope is Jesus. And the conclusion being drawn here, this hope is not just anything. This hope in Jesus is not just some little small thing. It's a big thing. So we're going to talk about the different ways or different things about trust, about, about hope. What does it do for us? And so hope is, uh, number one, is trusting in God's promise. You know, to better understand what's going on in Hebrews chapter 6, 19, we need to really look at the section, uh, the section of verses that come before it and after it. To be honest with you, the whole book. Because the whole book, if you, a lot of people talk, I talk about context, context, context. But... Remember, these are letters that were written. These were letters actually written to a church, to people, and they weren't meant to just be pulled out and used partially used. They were meant to be used as a whole. 
And so as we read the scriptures, as we look at Hebrews, as we go to the very beginning of Hebrews, we, we see, we read through it, and we see this, this, common ground, this common theme there. And we're talking about trusting in God's promise. And so when God made his promise to Abraham, uh, there was no one greater that he could have swore by. So let, if you wouldn't mind, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 13. It's going to be up there, but it's a long verse. So if you've got, it'd be good if you have your Bible, your Bible open in front of you or your app, Bible app open in front of you. Whatever you have to read your Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter uh, 6. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 17. I got a lot of different Hebrew verses up here in my brain, so I'm thinking, oh, I got it mixed up again. So Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Now men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make sure, wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. See, what God promises, it's, God promises God holds on to. What God tells you, God will do. I know that men, people, not just men, people can let you down. They may say something and not do it. They may make plans and not follow through. That's because we're fallible. That's because we, we aren't God. And when we place our hope and we place our faith in a person, many times we find ourselves falling backwards. Many times our anchor is in the wrong place. I've heard many people say, my anchor is my wife. Well, she's kind of like my secondary anchor in a sense, because God is my first. The Lord Jesus is my first anchor, and it's hers too. We have the same anchor. You know, God made this promise to Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, and he couldn't swear bigger than anyone else. Can you imagine? I, I wouldn't even recommend a swear, period, but swear on anything. But God, when he said, I'm going to do this, and by my name I'm going to do this, he made his promise. And God, what God says is exactly what's going to happen, as I said. So, you know, I have to share a story with you that was a broken promise for me when I was, uh, oh gosh, I was in elementary school, trying to think how old I was. I don't recall exactly how old I was, but I had an, a, a newspaper route. And so I used to save up my money, and I, and I had some money that I would put away so I could go buy whatever. Usually I didn't have a whole lot to go buy, but um, I, I just had it, so I'd save up my money. But we used to go to Maine every summer. Every summer, we'd go to Maine. That's where my, fam my mom's side of the family's from. She's up in Maine. Beautiful area. If you've ever been there, you probably would want to stay there. It's beautiful, except for the winter. Then you want to leave there. But in the summertime, in the springtime, it's nice, except for the mosquitoes, and they eat you alive as well. But it's still a beautiful place. Anyway, I used to go there, spend a good month out of my summers there with my mom and my dad. My dad would take his vacation, and we would all, we, maybe it was more like three weeks, but it felt like a long time. And I would spend the, the days with my, my uh, cousin Mitchell and, uh, and my uncle Dale, and all of them, I would go out on the boat, go lobstering, and all of those things, right? It was so much fun. I've actually been out there and caught lots of lobsters, almost gotten my finger cut off by a lobster. Although, yeah, it's scary, man. They, but uh, anyway, so I used to do that. And so one summer, I decided to ask my mom and dad, and I asked, of course, I asked my, my aunt and my uncle, can I come stay with you for the summer? You know, is it okay if I come stay with you? Because I, I want to be the whole, I want to stay the whole summer. It wasn't enough for me to be there for a couple weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. I want to go the whole thing. And my mom and dad were like, yeah, you can go, but we can't afford to, you know, we're not going to go till this date. So if you're going to go, you're going to have to get another way to get there. So I said, well, can I fly there? Because I lived right in, in, Fairfax, in Fairfax, Virginia, actually Chantilly, Virginia, which and on the other side of where I lived was Dulles Airport. 
And so I said, I'll just, I, can I fly out there? You know, and I was by myself, and, they, and we, we did some research and found out, yeah, uh, children, young people can fly, and they, put, they put, attach somebody to you so you're not scared by yourself. And so anyway, I saved up my money, and, and I bought my plane ticket to go because my mom and dad said yes. Well, a lot of things happen in our lives, right? A lot of things happen on airlines. Don't trust an airline that it says it's leaving at a certain time or a certain day. Always call before you go in. Well, we did. We called and we found out. And guess what? They delayed my flight. Matter of fact, they canceled it. They moved it to the next day. And my mom and dad lost it. And they took their promise back and said, you can't go now. I'm like, why can't I go? I'll just go tomorrow. You, no, you're not going. And I said, but you promised I could go. No, nope, you're not going. And they never explained to me why, and it crushed me. And still to this day, I talk about it. And I'm still like, I really wish I could have gone to Maine for a whole month. I might not have come home just because I like Maine that much. When you have a, something that you're looking forward to, when someone promises you something, you expect it, don't you? You expect they're going to hold that promise. My mom and dad, um, they're in heaven today, I think, I hope. Um, my mom and dad broke their promise with me. And it took me a long time to get over that. I'd say I'm over it now. I still think about it back to back then, but it was hard. As a, as a young, young man, um, I didn't have any place to bounce back to. I didn't have Jesus because I wasn't a believer. And I, I have to tell you, I probably cried for a long time that summer. Very, very upset. Um, but here's the one thing that we need to understand about promises. See, God is a promise keeper. And at the end of the day, he keeps every single promise he's ever said. And we know that the Bible says in John that he, that, that he and Jesus are one. They're both the same, in a sense. Jesus is God. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. I'll just say it like this. God never changes. He never does, he's never anything different. God is always the same. God says, I will keep my promise. I will keep my promise to you. And his promise was Jesus. And said, he's, he's not, God's not going to have some kind of midlife crisis, some kind of crazy thing that happens and tears him apart from everything, a firm part of reality. He's not going to go and kind of get destroyed by some crazy news in the world. He's not going to, nothing is going to take him away from that promise. God makes that promise as God's going to hold it. God, God did so many things. He gave us incredible news. And, you know, he did this by two unchangeable things is how he gives promises. He said, he said it's impossible for God to lie, number one. It's impossible for God to lie. We need to understand that. And we who have fled, we who have run away, we have run away from whatever, we need to grab a hold of Jesus. You see, the nation of Israel needed to learn this lesson, too. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we who have fled to take hold of take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged I started my, my point out with the beginning of that verse as well God did this so that we would know that we have his promises secure and firm have you ever have you ever had a promise somebody ever promised you anything and then they didn't follow through with that promise? Yeah, me too. But they're just people. And so that's, what call, that's what's called forgiveness. We need to learn to forgive people that do that. But we need to understand that we can turn to the one. The one who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. 
He will never, never, never let go of that promise he gave us. So be encouraged, especially, especially those of you who are in, 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 in trouble or something happening in your life or whatever's going on. You know, the world will try to grab a hold of you. The world will try to grab us and make us slaves to sin. It'll try and make us bound to sin. But he, being Jesus, is, is an anchor for our soul. His, he is firm and secure. Do you believe that? I do. I believe that. If you're here in this room, or if you're watching online, Jesus is firm and secure. No matter what, Jesus is always there. So we know that we have to trust in his promises. We can trust in God's promises. What he said, he's going to do. What he tells us he's going to do, he's going to do. The next part is an anchor for the soul. It's an anchor for our soul. You see, once we have Jesus, we are able to anchor ourselves to him. We stay firm because he's the one who stays firm. Listen to how faithful uh, it, he is. If you listen, as I say, listen, because I read the word of God all the time and I listen to it. I don't know about you, but does the word of God speak to you when you read it? It does me. And so as I think, as, as I read through the word of God, I can hear Jesus speaking to me. I can hear the words of God talking to me as I'm going through it because that's what these are. And he speaks. That's just like when I pray for you, for all of us before I start preaching, that God would empty of, us ourse of ourselves and fill us with him so that we would forget about all the things. We want to hear him. We want to hear him speaking, not me. We want to hear God speaking. So, you know, he, God, he accomplished, hope accomplishes a lot of things. You know, it does exactly, it's supposed to do exactly what an anchor for a ship does. It makes it hold fast and secure. And if you, if you do that wrong, I mean, not do, if, you do, if you not do that wrong, if you don't believe in that, if you don't hold to that, you're, you're anchorless. And so what I'm trying to say is men and women who sail and go out on the water and do things trust in their anchors. They, they, they put their anchors out there and say that anchor's going to hold. That anchor's going to hold this ship in place. No matter what happens, it's going to stay. The big, big ships have big, big anchors. My dad's John boat had a little bit, probably an anchor this size, because that's all it would take to hold it. But God's anchor, God's promise is an anchor for the soul. So what do, you, what do you think his promise is? Well, let's talk about that in just a minute. But you know, there's, there's storms and tempests of wave of life uh, that come in our lives. These storms come in our life, and along with those storms come temptation. Temptation. You know, um, consider how peaceful it is to sleep on a ship that is anchored steadfast. We went on a... Uh, cruise, I don't remember, it was a long time ago, the kids spent the whole time in the room, can you believe that? I'm like, we're on a cruise ship, what are you doing in your room? We want to play games, I'm like, go out there and play, do stuff out there, you know, it's a, whatever, but we spent a, a lot of time out there, but we went out there, and it turned out it was November, right? Was it November? It was a rough time at sea, and it was really, really wavy, like, I mean, we're talking like, whoo, you know, and even people that worked on the ship were getting sick, because it was like bouncing around. But you know, when we stopped in port, we, we bounced, but we didn't move. You know, waves toss us and turn us and make us sick. The waves of life do the same thing. But considering it, it's peaceful 
when, when it was peaceful, when I was sleeping on that ship, when I knew that we were going to be safe and secure and we weren't going to be washed out to sea. I know that's not a, a perfect metaphor because I know, I know that these, these are not perfect. These don't always hold. There are some things that can make these things come out, but eventually they're going to grab hold again. When they let go, they're going to grab hold again. So I know that this isn't a perfect, you know, this is not God. But God is amazing. And God is an anchor for our soul. The Lord Jesus is an anchor for our soul. So what I'm trying to say is if you're anchored, firm and secure, if, you're, if your connections are strong and, anchor, and your anchor is trustworthy, would you want to put this out for a cruise ship to hold a cruise ship in place? I don't think, I don't think so. No, not really. Um, but you would want to put it out for a little John. You know what a John boat is? I just assumed everybody knows what a John boat is. It's a little fishing boat. Ours was about 12 feet long. And it was just a little boat to go fishing in flat bottom. That's why they, I don't know why they call it John boat. Maybe that's who made them. I don't know. A, a guy named John beats me. But this is about the size that we, we would have. Maybe even a little smaller. And we were out in the ocean. We were in a, in, a, in a, like a river or a lake. So it wasn't as crazy as the ocean. But it still held us firm when we wanted to go where we went. And it was firm. And it was trustworthy. At least we thought, you know, we went there and we knew it was going to keep us firm and tr it was trustworthy. If all is good, you might find yourself saying, the anchor will hold. But what are we anchoring ourselves to? If we, if we throw the anchor out and we say, the anchor's going to hold, or better, we're not going to go anywhere, we're not moving, we're not going to move out of this place, this area, this spot. Well, we find some confidence in that. We find some hope in that. But Jesus says, I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he is our Savior. He's our Lord and Savior. He said that in John 14, 6, he said that if you come to him, if you trust in him, he'll, he'll save you. Anchored by hope is the next part I want to talk about. So Jesus is our anchor for our soul. But anchored by hope. With so much uncertainty in this world, you know, turmoil, confusion, division, uh, inflation, right, wars, um, whatever you can think of, it's a scary place. You know, our, our, our cities are, we, we just got done struggling through, and we still kind of are going through epidemics. Uh, you know, the coronavirus is not gone. A lot of people act like it's, it's, it's you know, it's gone beyond us now, but it's still around. It's still affecting a lot of people, and we just got through the, a lot of the dangerous parts of that. But it's still there. And it caused a lot of stress and anxiety, just like no different than a lot of other things in our life. The stresses of the world really get to us. And they toss us back and forth. And they can cause many things in our life. One of those things is, could be depression or anxiety or whatever else. And it could cause us to go things, and, we, we, and what ends up happening is we anchor ourselves, we anchor ourselves in the wrong place. Our hope, for our hope is anchored to the wrong thing. And so our hope kind of is, is flighty, it kind of comes and goes, rather than being secure and firm. Because we take, our, we take the anchor and we put it in the wrong place. I used to say all the time, sincerely, I used to say, Kelly's my anchor, she's my, she's my rock, or whatever. Uh, and, and she still is in many ways, but God is more than her. And I said that earlier. I can't place my faith in a person. I mean, my anchor. I can't place all my hope and my desires or anything else in a person as much as I can in the Lord Jesus. 
You see, friends, family, and neighbors uh, all around us are literally grasping firm for something to hold secure to. And if they see us grasping too, but it, it kind of won't lead them to Jesus. Everything needs to point towards Jesus. Our hope should be in Jesus. Hope wrongly applied will leave us worse off, worse off than when we started. Hope wrongly applied will leave us worse off than we started. If your hope is in your spouse alone, change that today. If your hope is in a person other than Jesus, I suggest you change that today. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having hope in people, but not the only hope. As, as awesome as you are, Kelly, you can't save me from, you can't save me from eternity. She can't, she can't get me to heaven. As awesome as you are, Jared, you're one of my favorite people in the world. And, uh, and, and you do a lot of things for me, but you can't get me to heaven. Same thing for all the rest of you and for me, for you, to you. I can't get you there. My hope is not based in you for my salvation. My hope is not based in you for my eternity. If it were, I'd be in a mess of trouble. And so would you. If your hope is in something other than Jesus, you're in a mess of trouble. And you know, this reminds me, and, and it kind of reminds me of a story from the Bible in Matthew chapter 14, 24 to 31. And it's going to be up there, but you can also look at it in your Bibles as well. Let me turn over to Matthew chapter 14. The very first book of the New Testament. The very first book of the New Testament in chapter 14. So you just go back to the very beginning of the New Testament and you'll see the, see the book of Matthew. Again, this is also something that was written to people. But it's a, real, it's a long account. It's the gospel of, of Matthew. So let me see here. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. And you may recognize this, uh, as, uh, this section of verses. But uh, anyway, verse 25 starts out like this. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, and they said, It's a ghost, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, do, said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. It is I, don't be afraid. And so, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And verse 31 says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? He doubted that Jesus would be able to save him. He asked, can I go out there? And Jesus said, come. First of all, he's talking to somebody that's already walking on the water. Right? And you're going to cry out to that person, hey, can I, Jesus, can I come out to you? And he says, yeah, come. And then, and then you get out there, and then everything around you distracts you from the, the main focus, who's Jesus. Our eyes come off of Christ. That's what happened to him. He focused on the storm around him instead of the one who was already walking on the water. And he started to sink. And see, that's what happens with us. Everything was going well for Peter until that moment, right? We find ourselves in the same thing. Everything is going well until we find ourselves starting to sink because we take our eyes off of Jesus. We make our hope, we take and place our hope in something that we shouldn't be putting it in. We take our hope and we place it in the wrong spot. We place it in people. Or sometimes people 
not, it's not just necessarily people that we place our hope. Sometimes we put our hope in money. If you haven't figured it out by now, money doesn't stick around very long. Money doesn't stick around after you die. Well, not for you anyway. Money's not, money is very, very temporary. If you don't believe that, then look, just look at what we're going through right now with inflation. I think uh, a gallon of milk now is like five or six bucks a gallon, something like that. I don't remember. It's pretty expensive. And if you're worried about your money alone, it's going to go quick. But the, this particular story that I just read to you reminds us that we need to stay locked onto Jesus. We need to stay secure and fastened to him. There's nothing else that we can find our, our secure hope in. No one else. Nothing else. Money, people, things, whatever it is. And since this life is complicated and really difficult, it's pretty straightforward and good news that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. That's John 14, 6, the verse I mentioned to you earlier. Jesus is the place that we turn to. He's our hope. I want you to think for just a moment, is there something that you put your, fo- your, your, your hope in that failed you? And it wasn't Jesus, was it? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking some more about anchors. We're going to talk about boats, hope, and Jesus. In the meantime, it'd be good for all of us to think about these three last things, these three things I want to, re- to uh, have you think about. And this is in conclusion. First is, number one is, has someone you trusted ever let you down in the past? I don't think they're up there. They're, they're, they're going to be right here. So I want you to write these down because they're not going to be on the screen. Are they on the screen? Did I put them on there? No, okay. Thought I did. Sorry about that, guys. So you're going to have to write them down so you can remember them. Number one, has someone you've trusted ever let you down in the past? Has someone you've trusted ever let you down in the past? And number two, has someone ever lied to you, misled you, or manipulated you? And number three, are you anxious or depressed? Oh, I, I lied to you. There's four of them. So are you anxious? See, I just lied. Are you anxious or depressed? And lastly, have you ever felt fearful of people, places, and situations? If you identify with any of those things, if any of those things come, if any one of those things just strike you right now, it means you're human. It means you're just like everybody else. It means that your hope placed in someplace else other than Jesus is going to let go. And so you might even want to fill in the blanks about who you think it is that may have done some of these things to you. Has someone you trusted ever let you let you go? Or has someone you trusted, pardon me, has someone you trusted ever let you down in the past? If they have, you know what I have to say to you? Get over it. Get over it. Because hanging on to that isn't going to make you any better. Hanging on to that hurt makes you worse. That makes you bitter. That makes you grouchy. That makes you unlovable. Some of the most unlovable people are people who, who don't trust other people at all, ever, because they were hurt. And I'm here to tell you right now, people will let you down. Don't hold it against them. Same thing with the misled or mistreated. That happens to all of us. The reason I asked all those things is, you have to end it with, then you go, and your hope isn't in Jesus. Is your hope in Jesus? You see, in Mark chapter 5, there's a story about a woman who, was a, who was, uh, had a problem with bleeding. And 
she walked up to, I've shared this story before on another time, and she walked up to Jesus, well, she didn't walk up to him, he was surrounded by a huge crowd of people. And she said to herself, she said, if I can only touch his, the, the back of his, of his robe, the hem of his garment, I, should, I can be healed. And so he's in the middle of all this. And remember, there are people all around him probably touching him. And so she reaches out and grabs a hold, and immediately she was healed of her blood problem. And Jesus looked around, and he said, who just touched me? And they're like, Jesus, look at all these people. There's a lot of people that probably just touched you. And he realized, he said, no, somebody just touched me, and they were healed completely by faith. Now, my point is, there's going to be a lot of people grabbing for Jesus. But he always knows when you're reaching out for him. He always knows. He knows you individually. He knows you by name. He knew you before you were born. He knows everything about you. He's just waiting for you and I to go, okay, I trust you, Jesus. My hope is in you, Jesus. My hope is no longer in something other than you. You see, she completely believed that when she touched Jesus, she would be healed. And she was. See, what I didn't talk about there a little bit is, is how people are looked at when they have that kind of thing going on. They were, down, they were looked at as, as, as like outcast when they had the kind of this, this problem that she was having. But Jesus physically and socially restored her. You might find yourself outcast or think you're an outcast. You're not an outcast to Jesus. None of us are. You see, he is our hope firm and secure and it is this hope that we grab a hold of even just the little edge of his garment the edge of his robe because even that little bit can hold us firm and secure in hope in jesus let's pray father i just want to thank you for this time together lord and i know that there's many days in my life many moments many many times throughout my day even that I lose, I lose like focus and I lose my hope because I'm placing that hope in something else. But Jesus, you're always there. I just need to remember that you're always there and you're not going to let me down. And sometimes I have outlandish thoughts and I think that you'll do anything I ask. And that's just not true. Because sometimes the things I ask for aren't in line with you. But you're always there. You're always holding us secure. You're always firm. And so I want to thank you for being the biggest anchor I could ever have in my life. The first place and the only place I can turn to when bad things happen and when good things happen. No matter what, God, you sent your son Jesus to die for me on a cross so that I could be reunited with you someday. That's my hope. That's where I, my hope lies, in that promise. That promise is Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life and everyone else's life.
We just have to say, please, Jesus, save me. I want to pray for all those that are in this place and listening online that may not be secure right now, that may be placing their hope or have placed their hope in something that's not exactly secure. Maybe the anchor's let, let go because it wasn't the right anchor. Lord, I want to pray for those who have not received Jesus as Savior so they can have that firm anchor and they can receive him today and have that firm anchor. I want to pray for those, of, those in this room that may have already received Jesus, but they kind of took their eyes off of him and they started, they're starting to sink. Their focus is on something or someone else and not him. God, all they have to do is turn around and look up and cry out, Jesus, save me. Lord, we can never go too far that you can't save us. And so, God, I want to pray for all of those, as I said, who have not received your son, Jesus, as Savior, that they would do it today. And I want to pray for all those who have, but just, just are finding themselves floating and unsecure because their hope is in something wrong. Lord, may we be just like the lady in the crowd who touched the, the hem of Jesus' robe, the very bottom part of Jesus' robe. And she was healed. May we grab a hold of Jesus because he's our hope and he's firm and he's secure. And it's that hope and it's this hope that we can find ourselves living for you. God, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for Jesus as our anchor. And I pray, Lord, that anybody in here would receive him as Savior today so their anchor could be firm today. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray, and we all say, amen. Go ahead and take it away, you guys. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. Give my life. 
Father, we come to you. We come to your son, Jesus, because he is mighty to save. And so, Lord, I turn my heart to you right now. And, Lord, I ask that if there's ever been a time or going to be a time that I lose my, my focus on you, that you would remind me very quickly who you are. God, I pray for everyone in this room, as I said before, that you would all keep us all secure and firm even through the rough parts of life because this life is hard but it's temporary and eternity is just that eternity and without you eternity is really bad and so may we focus on you may our hope in this world and the world to come be in you in you alone Keep us all safe today as we drive home to wherever it is we're going, to different places all around Kalinga and out of Kalinga. God, get us home safely and remind us where our anchor is and who our anchor is. In Jesus' precious name I pray and we all say amen. Have a good day, everybody. Yeah.